0: Well, we have an incredible word uh, for us today. The Holy Spirit has been speaking all week, and it's really cool because as I've been speaking with different people, with uh, friends, with my husband, we have just all felt like this message uh, is is for each of us. And so I'm just so blessed to be able to share it, to be a conduit of God's goodness. And uh, so we're going to jump in. This is our first Sunday of a new series and it is called Refreshed. And so we're going to talk today about God's goodness and being refreshed in the spirit of God. And so I think for most of us, we love summer because it means we can travel, right? It means we can go camping, we can go on adventures, we can go and do wonder Things outdoors with our family and our friends. And uh, years ago, my husband, and I'm pointing that way because he's behind the camera, so he's the cameraman, he's the one that makes me look good. So thank you, Dwayne. Thank you, Dwayne. So years ago, Dwayne and I, we bought a motorhome, a really old motorhome, but I tell you, it was just this wonderful piece of adventure for our family. And we called the motorhome the Beauty and the Beast. Because sometimes she was a beaut, and she ran really well, and things went really good with beauty, and sometimes she was a beast, and sometimes she broke down on the side of a a road, or a tire would blow, or we have had a lot of adventures in our our wonderful motorhome, Beauty and the Beast. And we've gone to the Oregon coast, and we've traveled throughout BC, and just we've loved our time of, of adventure in our motorhome and love going different places, and I've invited Lilia to come, and she's going to share some adventures that she has been on, because uh, God has been taking her on adventures, and not in a motorhome, uh, but definitely some fun things that she has to share. So I'm going to pass it over. So let's give her a warm welcome as she comes, okay?
1: Good morning. It's really, really nice to be here with you guys today. Um... Dietrich Bonhoeffer is one of my favorite theologians, and he writes that it's God's grace that people get to gather together, and it's a gift from God. And I I always like to remember that because the places God sends me to, there's persecutions against Christians, and it's sometimes people don't get that opportunity and that gift to gather together. And so I'm really happy to be here today, and I'm so blown away by how God works because we're singing we're singing this morning about Jehovah Jireh about how God is so good and he provides for us and God yeah I think today I just wanted to share a little bit of that of how God provides for his people and he has provided for me in uh, very many ways and we know that when we read about Israel he provided for his people when they were in the desert for 40 years and sometimes not how they expected, but I think how they needed. Um, many of you maybe don't know who I am. Um, my name is Lilia, and I, most of the time I'm not here in Prince George, so it's okay if you, if you don't know who I am, but I am living overseas in Greece, and that's where I work with an organization called YWAM. And so we, we were pioneered about four years ago, and we work with refugees um, we run discipleship training schools for people who want to get to know more about who God is and to go out and make Him known. And so we travel between Greece and the Middle East working with Muslims and um, training up young people. But um, a lot of my work has been leading these discipleship training schools and. It brings me so much joy that I have the opportunity to share with you guys today that God is working in so many ways in the Middle East. Um, You'd think that COVID restrictions would slow things down, but on the contrary, so many Muslim people are coming to know Jesus. So many. And there's Yazidis and Kurds and refugees who are giving their lives to the Lord, being baptized and churches are forming. And God, so God is that move, and I wanted to encourage you guys in that. Um, what God put on my heart to share was about His faithfulness to each one of us and that He provides. And that's something that I've seen in my life being the, as a living life as a missionary for the last couple of years. Um, I started off here in Prince George about five years ago. I was a UNBC student. Um, I called myself a Christian, but I didn't really know God. I I wasn't really walking with him. I definitely wasn't living um, my life for him, but I was seeking for purpose in life. And I ended up at a missionary school in France, um, and how I got there is another really crazy story for another time. But I went there, and I didn't have enough money to cover the school that I was doing. And God took me on an interesting journey. He wrecked my life in the most beautiful way, and he provided for my school, and he began to lead me by faith. My first missions trip, I felt God um, ask me to do something really crazy, and just like when he sent out his disciples and told them to take nothing with them, I went with nothing Uh, literally nothing I got onto the plane in what I was wearing holding my passport in hand on a three-month outreach to North Africa and Israel and I watched God provide for me for those entire three months every single thing that I needed that is who our God is Jehovah Jireh every single thing that I needed I was giving stuff away when I was coming back and I came back with a bag and I saw God come through on my every single need And I'm not, you know, God didn't ask me to do this because I needed a new wardrobe or more stuff, but because he needed to teach me something. And he needed to teach me that he was the one that provides for me. And I realized shortly after that my three-month journey of faith and trusting in him um, was what I needed to be able to do the next thing that he would ask me to do. And that's what prepared me for what he, had call, what he now called me to do. Um, immediately after that, God called me to Greece. And that's where I began as a full-time missionary and have been for the last four years. Um, it required a blind leap of faith to get on that plane, to move to Greece. I had no financial support. I didn't know the team that was going to be there. I'd never been to Greece. I had this word of the Lord to go and to step out in faith. And since being a missionary in every single way, God has challenged me to leave everything behind to follow him and to trust that if he clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and thrown into the oven tomorrow, then how much more is he going to clothe me? And God's literally clothed me. Um, he, there were times in the Middle East where I didn't know where I was going to be sleeping that night and he put a roof over my head. Um, there were... I mean, I think like when Apostle Paul says that I've learned to live with a lot and I've learned to live with a little, God has really led me through that. Um, He's taught me to trust in his nature and character. Um, there were times where I didn't have enough money to pay for rent for three months, and I would pray, and I would say, God, you, you invited me to be here. You called me to be here, and you have to provide for me to be here. And I sat down with um, my friends that I was living with, and I was about to open my mouth and tell them, you know, I'm praying. I don't know what's happening. And they said to me, that, you know, today um, a donation came into your name, and it's covered three months of your rent and till this day i don't know who knew that i wasn't able to pay rent and i don't know who was who who that person was that donated that money but i know that god was taking care of me and he knew what i needed um, even for little things you know god god knows my little little desires um, i had money fall out of a bible once when i prayed and said god you know, I need, I need some finances. I need to take my students out to get a cup of coffee. And I opened up my Bible, reached for it from my bed, and money fell out of my Bible. You know, I'm, and I'm not wanting to preach a prosperity gospel that if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be bread and butter. But, um, yeah, just, I think what I want to say is that God provides for what he calls us to. And um, living by faith is not easy. I had some very stressful times, sometimes I had doubts, anxiety would creep in, and maybe I have a few things in common with Israel and their short-term memory condition, but what I I learned and know 100% to be true is that our God is provider God, and he takes care of us just like, like he took care of his people in the wilderness, and he gives us everything to overcome the obstacles that are in our way, and he provides for what he calls us to do. Um, And sometimes it's not like we expect. And for me, most of the time, it's not how I expect or what I expected. It's tested me, it's stretched me, and it's grew me. um, But he's not failed me yet. And he provided for friendships, for family for me overseas. And I experienced that as I gave up, and he, um, he would give me so much more in return. Um, and I have this, just this feeling in my heart that when I prayed about what to share today, that God wants to remind someone that he provides for them. And uh, that's something that I wanted to share today. Another prayer that's on my heart and has been for a while is for God to provide me with a sending community. A community that carries a similar vision with what I'm doing. Um, someone who God has intended to partner with me in prayer and God has continually over the years um, connected me with Gateway in different ways. And this is something that I've been talking to Pastor Greg and some of the um, uh, people on the eldership team about. Um, I would like to ask this church family if they would pray for, prayerfully send me and partner with me as my spiritual community. And um, I would like to also invite anyone that's in- interested to get to know more about the schools that we run in Greece and the outreaches we do um, to the Middle East and the work that we're doing amongst the Muslims there just to come talk to me. Um, we have a school coming up in um, a month and a half, and it's for people who feel called to the Middle East, know that they're called to long-term missions, and just want a platform to be trained and sent. Um but, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to share today. And God bless you guys.
0: Thank you, Lily. Thank you. Thank you, Lily. Yes, we're going to pray for her at the end of the service. And so we're going to jump back in here to the Word of God. So now you heard a little bit of how we like adventures in our family. We actually have this little saying, always an adventure with the Orton family. We love to go places and just so exciting to hear from Lilia some of the places that God has taken her to. And I can't wait to hear your stories. Where is God wanting you to go? Because I believe he wants us going places with the gospel You see, Jesus loved to go places. He was the kind of guy who liked to go to different places so that he could share the gospel, so that he could love people and and become friends with people and invite them into community. And so he went to the slopes of the Mount of Olives, uh, where you would find the Garden of Gethsemane. He walked and he walked. He went to the lake, just like us. We love going to the lake. And Jesus went to the lake, to the, the Sea of Galilee, which is actually a lake. And he did some fishing with some friends there where they did the fishing and he mostly did the sleeping. He also went to a wedding in Cana. He went to small villages and big towns, to the temple in Jerusalem and to small rural um, communities where there were small synagogues. He was a traveling kind of guy. And when we read in the book of Luke, it starts in chapter three with Jesus going to the Jordan River, and he went there for one reason, one purpose, and that was to be baptized. And so I want you to imagine with me, we're going to look at this this passage in Luke 3, if you want to pull it up on your your Bible app or in paper, that's awesome. And we're going to imagine, so I want you to imagine with me that Jesus goes to the Jordan River to get baptized. Jesus, fully god Fully man, identifies with sinners, and goes to get baptized. Did Jesus need to be cleansed of sin? No, because he never had sin, and yet he identifies with us, people, sinners, and goes and sets this example of baptism. And I just want to just have a little plug in there. If you haven't been baptized and you feel that God is calling you to that, on July 18th, we're having a baptism service out at Westlake, and we'd love to include you. Contact the office uh, reception. Contact one of our staff if you feel like this is the time for you to be baptized. Jesus set this example for us, so this is why we do it. It says in Luke 3, starting in verse 21, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It says, One day, Jesus came to be baptized along with all the others. So there was a group. There was a bunch of people that were there. As he was consumed with the spirit of prayer... So before he even gets baptized, he's consumed with the spirit of prayer. And in the book of Luke, it actually records eight different times that Jesus prayed. And this was the first time that he prayed. And he is consumed with the spirit of prayer. And why was he consumed with prayer? Because he knew he needed the Holy Spirit to empower him and equip him to do the work that God had sent him to do, there were things coming up, and Jesus knew he needed the the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in his life to be able to do the things that he was going to be called to. And so, do I need all of God's power through the Holy Spirit? Yes, I do. Do you need all of God's power through the Holy Spirit? Yes, you do. Do you online need all? all of God's power through the Holy Spirit. You better be saying amen wherever you are. Say amen. Yes, amen. We need all of God's power through the Holy Spirit. And so you might be thinking like is this the first time that Jesus had the Holy Spirit? Well, let me clarify for you. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit while he was in Mary's womb, because Jesus was born by the Holy Spirit. It says in Matthew 1:18. OK? So let me try to explain this. This is really simply. So if I'm a puppy, and my mama is a husky, and my dad is a doodle, then I'm part husky, and I'm I'm part doodle, right? I'm a huskadoodle. I just made that up. I'm a huskadoodle, all right? Now, if I'm Jesus... And my mama is Jewish, she's a Jewish human woman, and my daddy is the Holy Spirit. I'm part Jewish, and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, right? I'm part man, and I'm part God. And I know that's a simplified way to think of it, but this is Jesus. So fully man, yet fully conceived by the Holy Spirit. So he already has the Holy Spirit, okay? Because he's conceived by the Holy Spirit, But then it says in the next verse, the heavenly realm ripped open above him. And I just love the Passion Translation, the way that it says this, right? The heavens ripped open. Now, I got to tell you this really quick story. A couple of years ago, we were delivering presents to different families, and there was this one family, and the mom had four kids, and she'd pretty much told the kids they were not going to get any Christmas presents that year. And we just showed up unannounced, didn't even know them, knocked on their door, and we had presents for the kids. Well, the one little boy, he was probably about four years old, he took the present... And do you think he held on to it and savored it? No. He ripped that present open and he ran around his living room and he came back to the door and he got another present. And what do you think he did with that one? He ripped it open and he ran around his living room. He was so excited to rip open that present. And I almost imagine heaven the same way. Like, can you imagine? Like, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit have been talking about this since the beginning of time. And now here it was the full of time heaven is ripped open are you getting this you don't seem very excited you don't seem as excited as I seem about this like heaven is ripped open above Jesus and it says the Holy Spirit descended from heaven in the form of a dove and landed on him somebody say amen like amen right amen You see, Jesus already had the Holy Spirit. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But at this moment of his baptism, he receives the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit to fulfill his ministry. Isn't that incredible? And the same is true for you. When you ask Jesus into your life and ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life, you receive the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit to fulfill what? The ministry of God in your life. It's not your ministry. I'm sorry, but this is not your story. <laughs> this is God's incredible, lavish story that He is working out through you, and you get to be a magnificent piece of it. And so He empowers you with the Holy Spirit to go and to fulfill the ministry that God has called you to. Why is Lilia tra- traveling to the other side of the world into danger zones? Because the Holy Spirit has called her, empowered her, and fulfilled her to go and to do that ministry for God. And it's this incredible tension that I keep talking about. It might seem like it's not true, but it is absolutely true that Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, is fully God, and is fully man. And then it says next in the passage, Then God's audible voice was heard saying, My son, you are my beloved one, and through you I am fulfilled. Like, again, just like imagine heaven is ripped open. They have been anticipating this moment in the heavenlies since the beginning of time, and here it is God's like, You're my beloved one, my beloved son, through you I am fulfilled. It's like mic drop, right? It's like God just drops the mic. It's like what else is there? Well, you see the same that is true for Jesus is also true for us because we are adopted as heirs into the kingdom of God. So we can ask for a greater fullness of the Holy Spirit. So when we confess our sins, when we believe in God, when we surrender our hearts to him, we invite in the Holy Spirit into our lives and and it's there in fullness. And yet I can continue to ask every single day, I can ask once an hour if I want. I can ask once a minute if I want. Holy Spirit, fill me with your fullness. Does it mean the Holy Spirit evaporates or goes away? No, no, it doesn't. But it's this tension. We can ask the Holy Spirit for more of his presence, an overflowing of his presence. And when we're overflowing in the Holy Spirit, what's that going to lead to? That's going to lead to righteousness and sanctification, and that is beautiful. That is attractive to God when we are moving towards righteousness and sanctification. And so we want to overflow in the Holy Spirit in our lives. And and we, we know that's a promise that we can claim because it happened to Jesus. Let's go to Luke 4, verses 1. From the moment of his baptism, Jesus overflowed with the Holy Spirit, overflowed. Have you ever seen the Niagara Falls? They overflow and overflow and overflow. Is the Niagara Falls ever stopped? No, it overflows and overflows. I want a Niagara Falls of Holy Spirit in my life where it's like overflowing and overflowing and I pray that that is your heart desire as well. Yes and amen. Then it says, that Jesus was taken by the Spirit from the Jordan into the wilderness of Judea to experience for 40 days the ordeal of testing by the accuser. So you might be like, okay, so I'm, I'm following, I'm tracking. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit, is filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit, I get it. But then the Holy Spirit leads Jesus from one of the most celebratory events in the Christian life, which is our baptism, right? When we profess our love for God in front of other people. And and, and for Jesus, he's like literally affirmed by God the Father, right? Like he's like, this is my beloved son. Everything's being fulfilled through him, right? And then in that celebration moment, Holy Spirit takes Jesus into the wilderness to be tested, and not by a science teacher, but by the accuser, right? We kind of think, well, wouldn't Jesus be running the other way? Like when we get baptized, you know, we give each other gifts and there's helium balloons, and, and, and wouldn't Jesus be turning like water into Gatorade and hanging out with the family and dancing and having a potluck supper or something? But no, what happens for Jesus is that the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. And there's no surprise party for him in the wilderness. There's not a banqueting table or a feast in the wilderness, right? There's no ceremony. There's nothing. And I actually Googled it, and it's the Judean wilderness, which is the Judean desert, okay? And the Greek word for wilderness means solitary, lonely, desolate, uninhabited, right? And so like for us, our baptism is like, well, let's have a party. Let's go to the lake. Like, you know, let's party like we're on vacation. Like someone's getting baptized and there's a celebration in heaven. And, and for Jesus, it's like the opposite. The Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. And it says that Jesus ate no food during this time and ended his 40-day fast very hungry, I can barely get to lunch without food. And Jesus has gone 40 days of fasting, and he's in the desert with nothing to eat. And you're thinking, the Holy Spirit took him there on purpose? Like, I thought that God was nicer than this, right? Well, let me tell you one thing. God is focused on growing our character over our comfort, all right? Right? God is focused on growing our character over our comfort. So God is focused on growing. I want you to repeat that after me. God is focused on growing my character over my comfort. And I hope you've typed that into the chat if you're with us online. The Holy Spirit's leading is not always into something comfortable into a party or a celebration the spirit may lead us as he did jesus into places where we will be refined where we will be tested where we will be stretched and where we will be strengthened for further ministry and for our character growth and for jesus this test was more than proving that he could overcome this ordeal It was proving to the enemy that Christ was defeating him. You see, because we know that Satan was in that wilderness waiting for him. Luke 4.3, it was then the devil said to him. And, And the word devil and accuser are interchangeable in this translation. You see, Jesus didn't invite the accuser. The enemy invited himself and he was already there waiting. And that's the thing with the enemy, is he has been obnoxiously showing up to our stressful times, our times of grief, our times of relaxing, our times of joy, our times of plenty. The enemy shows up uninvited all the time doesn't he he's uninvited and and the holy spirit hadn't invited the enemy to be there but he was there waiting to tempt jesus and that's exactly what the enemy loves to do is to tempt us to lie to us to trick us and to steal away the promises of god in our lives and in those temptations in luke 4 how did jesus respond to the enemy Well, I want you to notice what Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't get up on a stool and he doesn't yell and scream and freak out at the enemy. He doesn't do that. So we don't do that. He calmly responds to the enemy and he says, we have he doesn't say we have three guideposts, but basically we have three guideposts when we are tempted. And if this is the example Jesus gives us, then this is what we want to do. Jesus said, I do what the Father does. And we say, I want to do what Jesus does because he does what the Father does. So this is what we want to do when we're tempted. So I hope you're writing these down. The first one, Jesus says, is that you respond to the enemy with the word of God. Okay, say the word of God the word of God. You know, church, I confess I don't know the word of God as much as I want to know the word of God. I want it to just like flow from my lips constantly. And so how do I do that? Well, it says life does not come only from eating bread, but from God. So I got to eat the word of God. Life flows from every revelation of his mouth. So I got to know it. I got to memorize it. I got I to gotta be able to know how to search it. But I need to fight the enemy with the word of God. The second one, he says, is by worshiping God. Say that one. Say by worshiping God. By worshiping God. Right? Coming together and worshiping only the Lord your God and loving him supremely. That's how we fight the enemy. We worship in times of grief and sadness and joy through prayer and music and thanksgiving and gratefulness and love and through our actions and through our thoughts. And the third one is by obeying God. Say that one. Say, by obeying God. God. Luke 4.12 says, How dare you provoke the Lord your God? Do not test him. You know, so often we make excuses. Oh, I'll just sin a little bit. Oh, I'll just do that thing just a little. I'll just do it just one more time and God will forgive me because God loves me, right? And we push and we test. And he is not looking for testing. He is looking for your obedience obedience and man that's hard because no discipline seems pleasant at the time doesn't it but it is painful later on but the thing is is that discipline produces a harvest of righteousness for those who are trained by it and that is obedience All right, so Jesus, so often he's inviting us into places of rest. And I think when we we think of the wilderness, we think of it so negatively, right? As alone and desolate and isolated. But there are times when God is calling you into a wilderness season. Why? Because there's rest. Because there's refreshing. Because there's restoration. And I think for most of us, We just don't even have time to notice, right? We're so busy, we just want drive-through Jesus that we don't slow down and eat the spiritual meat, right? And and I'm not making I don't I'm not judging anybody who uses the U version app because I use it as well. But there's like these devotions on the U version app. And do you know why we love them? Because they take three minutes. That's why we love them. Come on, church. Let's admit it. That's why we love it. It's because it's three minutes, and then we think that we have all the spiritual armor that we need to walk into our day of temptation. Are you kidding me? Am I kidding myself? That is not enough meat to protect me from the enemy who does what? He wants to lie and kill and destroy me. You! Don't kid yourself. He's out to get you. He is not your friend. He wants to take you down. And so then what do we do? We read something for three minutes and think, oh yeah, that's enough. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Well, guess what happens? I don't even get out the door. And I've already sinned five times. I've already fallen. I've already made so many mistakes. And then I get into my vehicle and I'm driving in a, in a 50 zone. And the guy in front of me, who's probably Pastor Greg, is going like 30. And I'm like yelling at him. You see, I, I've barely got down the road and I've already sinned. And I've invited the enemy into the passenger seat. He's an expert backseat Side seat driver, right? I might be driving the vehicle, but the enemy is poking and pushing. And all of a sudden now I'm annoyed and agitated. And I'm thinking, well, I gotta go to work and I don't want to go to work, and everybody else is going to the lake and I gotta go to work, right? And then I go get my coffee and they mess it up, and then I'm mad at them. We haven't even been out of our houses 10 minutes and we've already sinned like a hundred times, right? Because why? Because we did drive through Jesus. Let's just eat a little tiny bit, right? And it's almost comparable to eating a gummy worm candy on the sustainability scale for our daily nutrition and then thinking that's going to protect us from the enemy for the day, right? Like somebody say amen. How many times have we eaten a gummy worm for breakfast spiritually and thought that was going to be enough to carry us through, right? Right. You see, the enemy doesn't need you to invite him in. He's already there waiting. He's waiting for you. He pulled up a chair in Jesus' life. He pulled up a chair in the wilderness. He was waiting for Jesus, so don't think he's not waiting for you. Oh, he is in the banqueting table scenario. He is in the Garden of Eden. The enemy is hanging out and he's waiting for that moment and he's watching to see how he can get you. And here's here's the here's the thing about the the enemy. He's not like, okay, Kimmy, can you fit me in at 2 p.m.? Like, could you get yourself prepared and we'll go to battle together at 2 p.m., right? He doesn't do that. He waits and he watches until he sees that I am weak, and that that gummy worm spiritual little tiny nugget that I ate has evaporated, and and here I am, and he can attack, right? Well, so yeah, amen, amen. (laughs) Somebody was honking as they were going by. Yes, Jesus. Well, you see, this is what the enemy does, is he is so subtle, isn't he? He's He's so slippery and so subtle. And you see, all of a sudden, what will happen is that we'll start having this conversation, right? Like, oh start thinking about our sister-in-law. And I got to tell you, I'm making this up because I have fantastic sister-in-laws, okay? It's just an example. But we start thinking of our sister-in-law who for Christmas dinner sat on the couch and just like bossed everybody else around, right? And we start just getting completely annoyed with who she is. And then she has the nerve to tell us that we're a bad parent, right? And that our kids aren't very well behaved. And what happens is that we just start to like have this conversation and start to, to engage in the negativity of this conversation right? Like, oh, yeah. And and don't forget, don't forget that her husband is the favorite. And should he be the favorite? No, because he's not even that great. But it's like mom and dad are like always giving them special preference, right? They always get special. They always get extra. And they never have to bring the other stuff everybody else has to bring. And all of a sudden, we've engaged in this whole conversation with the enemy, and, and we're ready to go and drive over to our sister-in-law's house and have like some big out with her when we didn't even have that conversation with her. We had it in our heads. But you see, it's this slippery slope because the enemy's not invited, but he knows the buttons. He knows that my sister-in-law annoys me. He knows that he can get in there. He can add some extra words, Right. And Louis Giglio says, don't give the enemy a seat at your table because it's exactly what the enemy does is he's so subtle and he knows exactly the area to pick at so that we fall into his trap. Some of us, instead, we don't get annoyed with our sister-in-laws, but we justify ourselves, right? We're like, well, I might have anger issues, they're not as bad as my neighbors. They're not as bad as the guy over there. They're not as bad as the guy I work with, right? I might have some, but they're not as bad as somebody else. And we compare ourselves to justify our sin, right? It's like my sin's not as bad as somebody else, so it must be okay. Because, you know, look at the guy over there. Or we make excuses. How many of us have said Oh, I have had a bad life. I had a bad childhood. I have, I have trauma. I have trauma in my life, right? I've had, I have negative things that have happened in my life. And so it's, it's an excuse to be able to behave badly. It's an excuse to not grow. It's an excuse to not get emotionally healthy because of the bad things that have happened, right? Or what about these words, you will never change, you'll never change. You're never going to be good enough. And you're never gonna change. You're actually hopeless. I think you're gonna be stuck in that rut for the rest of your life. And if you have listened to any of those words and thought, wow, I can relate to a little bit of that or a whole lot of that, you have invited the enemy into your garden. You have listened to the enemy's lies And you have let him plant into your garden. And I've got this beautiful petunia. But look at the back. Look at these weeds that are planted in my garden. Right? And the enemy was uninvited just like the weeds. The weeds are uninvited. Who plants a brand new garden and says, oh, I'm going to plant some weeds in there? Yeah. I can't wait. I'm going to plant roses and petunias and and peonies and some weeds. Yeah, I'm going to plant some weeds. No, weeds are uninvited, just like the enemy. Well, there is hope. You see, because this weed right here, I planted these weeds, but guess what, guys? This one right here, he was already there. He was uninvited and he was already there. But the thing with God is that we have hope in the garden. We have hope in our wilderness. You can take authority of your wilderness and turn it into a greenhouse garden of growth. You can kick the enemy out. You can remove his seat at your banqueting table. You can pull those weeds out of your garden. You have authority to do this. Say amen. Say yes, Amen. I have authority. Say, I have authority. I have authority. And how do you do this? One, with the word of God. Two, by worshiping God. And three, by obeying God. Right? Word of God, worshiping God, and obeying God. And what happens is then we remove these weeds from our garden because we don't want these weeds in there. They're unattractive. They're, they're just tricky and slippery. They don't look good. And I want them out of my garden. And you have authority to remove the weeds from your garden. You see, Jesus says in John 7, 38, Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from your heart. God wants to refresh us. And the word of God says that we have a holy inheritance, that you are a citizen of heaven. You are adopted into God's family, and you are not defined by those weeds, and you have authority to remove them. So church, remove the weeds. Remove the spiritual weeds in your life and believe that you matter to God. You see, this is our God. If we invite him in, the Holy Spirit kicks the enemy out of there. An enemy, you're uninvited in my life. You are off of my guest list. You don't get to be a part of this Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost party that is going on inside of me because I want to be refreshed in the Word of God, in worshiping and obedience. I'm going to ask if you would stand in prayer if you want to respond. And I'm just going to pray a prayer over you to be set free from the enemy. Because you have all authority through Jesus Christ to have freedom in your life. And we need to be set free from the lies of the enemy. We need to cast him out of our wilderness. We need to pluck those weeds out. So if you want to, you can open your hands and you can receive and you can pray with me and just echo these words as I pray. Enemy. You must leave my heart, my soul, and my mind in the name of Jesus. You are uninvited. You don't get to stake a claim. You don't get to plant weeds. You are uninvited in my life. And in the name of Jesus Christ, you must leave. You see, the accuser is so obnoxious. He's going to keep showing up in your life and he's going to keep trying to plant weeds. But we say, Jesus, overflow your spirit, your Holy Spirit in us, Lord God. Overflow in us, Lord Jesus. Help us to stay connected to you through the word and through worship and through obedience. Grow in us spiritual righteousness, Lord God. Let our hearts be like greenhouses Gardens that are fruitful, that are beautiful, that are attractive, that reflect your character, Lord God. Lord Jesus, let us connect to you and stay connected to you, Lord God. Give us your strength through the Spirit because we can't do this on our own, Jesus. We're just not strong enough. We just can't. And so, Jesus, we ask that you just continue to connect to us. And, church, I just need you to say, Yes, yes, I want to connect to you, God. Yes, I. I want to connect to you Holy Spirit yes I want to stay connected to you Jesus yes and Lord God pour out your spirit upon us to overflowing stir up an incredible passion in us for your words for your worship and for sanctification Lord Jesus we need you God in your name we pray yes and amen
2: Thank you, Pastor Kimmy. What a great word. Jesus went to the wilderness to be refreshed. (laughs) Right on. Jesus wants to refresh you. Uh, We're going to pray for Lily. Lily, where did you go? There you are. Come on up. And our elders team. And we would love it. You know, she, she said, I would like to be sent by a church community that would love me and pray for me and i just if you feel called to be a sender to to pray for lilia and to and maybe you want to get her email and encourage her maybe you want to give her a gift uh uh of finances that will encourage her uh i just want to encourage you let's stand up and let's come around you you have permission Bonnie Henry said, you can now get out of your car. You can you can come to church. She, she said, we're not breaking any rules. If you want to come and be a sender, we would like you to come and just gather around. We're just going to take a minute to pray. And then maybe the Lord's put a word in your heart for her that would encourage her. want to give a moment for that as well. Uh, you know, uh, the book of Acts says in Acts chapter 13 that the leaders of the church fasted and prayed and the Holy Spirit said, set aside for me Barnabas and Paul and send them for the work I have called them. (laughs) You know, Barnabas and Paul were some of the best leaders in the church, right? They They were the people they wanted to keep. But Gateway is not that church that keeps people. We're not being selfish. God has called us to be a generous church. God has called us to be a sending church. (laughs) It hurts to be generous sometimes. But we do it because we're being obedient to God. And God has bigger plans. And God provides you know, it's not in our own strength that He provides. God provides out of His own, His own purse, <laughs> His own generosity. And so, Lord, uh, Lilia, we're sending you with the heart of Jesus, which is a heart of generosity, to send you, to send you to the people of the world that have not heard the name of Jesus. <laughs> They haven't they haven't been able to receive the gift of life and I just believe that God wants to send you as a gift of life. The scripture has been uh, in my heart for a week Romans chapter 10How lovely on the mountains are the feet of them who bring good news. You're a bringer of good news. Gateway we are being a bringer of good news to the people of the world by sending Lilia by committing to pray for her. By being together, spiritually, we're saying, enemy, you have no power over her. You have no place to mess with her. She's being sent by us. Good news, beautiful feet. How lovely on the mountains are those who bring the good news. Bring the, be the bringer of good news. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord.
3: some scriptures for you so as I read them just let the Holy Spirit um, soak these words because it's his words and take it personal this is a personal word for you and I also saw a vision I was praying this week I don't know if you've seen Elsa and Frozen (laughs) but every foot that step she took that in front of her it all froze I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to download on you and every foot you take is holy ground and I'm just gonna read these scriptures. If you want to hold this mic for me. This is Proverbs 3:1 to 8. Do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man trust in god with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths do not be wise in your own eyes fear the lord and depart from evil and it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones Amen. and luke 2:52. and jesus increased lilia will increase in wisdom and stature and in favor with god and man and Luke 9, 1 to 2. And Jesus called together the, the 12, called you Lilia, and gave you power and authority over all demons and to cure de- diseases. And he sent you out to announce the, and preach the kingdom of God and to bring healing. And Luke 10, 18 to 19. And he said to you, I saw Satan falling like a lightning flash from heaven, behold, I have given you authority and power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses and nothing shall in any way harm you. So, Lord, we pray over Lilia right now, Lord. We pray those words over her, Lord God. Fill her with your spirit, Lord, that she will tread on holy ground. It would push back the enemy. Lord, she would find favor with God and man, wherever she goes, Lord God, you would increase her wisdom and knowledge. Father, as she even comes up things that she doesn't understand, she's already testified, I will trust and lean on the Lord. And there's no, uh, I may not understand, but she will lean and trust in you and you will direct her path day by day. Thank you for this woman of God, Lord. Thank you that she loves you and we send her out with blessing in Jesus' name. I I, I really agree with what uh, Janie said.
0: What I kept saying is wherever you step, you will possess for the kingdom of God. So wherever you put your foot in, you will possess that lamb for the kingdom of God. And we just say in Lilia's life that Satan, you are uninvited. You're uninvited. And Lord, we just invite more of the Holy Spirit in her life. Lord, fill her up. Give her more. Yes, Lord, continue to fill her with the power of your
1: Holy Spirit in Jesus' name.
4: So you're, you're in a place um, where there's a lot of tumult, and there's, there's not a lot of answers that man is coming up with that are successful. That the problems in the area that you are called to serve in are bigger than man. And the forces that are at work are bigger than what man can find a solution for. And so when when we're saying that your feet are called to spread the gospel, it's because it's the only thing that's going to make a difference in that place. And in spite of that, you'll see people reject it. And even Christ himself, when he looked at the crowds, he said, if you have ears to hear, you will hear. But if you don't, you can hear Christ himself and you won't hear the words. You won't understand what's being said. So you will have pain because people will hear but not understand. But you will also have a lot of joy because people will hear and understand as well. And just like Christ, if they have ears to hear, pour yourself into those people that have ears to hear. And if they don't have ears to hear, please don't waste your time. Because there's a current that's taking them away from the Word of God, and we don't understand that, but it's just the truth. But people that have the ears to hear, in them the kingdom of God will begin to grow and live and reside, and the difference made in that place will be because of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God will do and is doing things that man cannot do. I find it interesting that I all week I thought about this uh, psalms 3 5 and 6 and then Janie (laughs) spoke it and and the weird thing is just in the service god gave me this uh, isaiah 43 1 i have called you by your name you are mine when you pass through the waters i will be with you and through the rivers they shall not overflow you when you walk through the fire you shall not be burned nor shall the flames scorch you for i am the lord your god the holy one of israel your savior i gave egypt for your ransom Thank you, Lord.
2: Amen. Church, are we sending her? Amen. Amen. (laughs) You are sent.